This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and you've not got deja vu. We are doing our second episode in as many days. Uh, I'm joined on my left, um, a rare appearance on the Blood Red podcast from Dan Kay. How are we, Dan? Um, it's a great honour to be here, Joe. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Good. Enjoy Munich? I certainly did. I'll ask you a little bit more. We've talked Munich, but just for you, I'll ask you a little bit more about it in a minute. No, you look like, to go over it again, You mate. look like you want to talk about it. <laughs> also with us today is Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? Good, cheers, Joe. Doing well? Yeah, not too bad. Good, good. And live and in colour, and hopefully having had a bit more than one hour's sleep, <laughs> is James Pierce. How are you, Jake? Very good, thanks, Joe. You okay? I'm good, thank you. Uh, we'll get cracking. Um, I will start by asking Dan. We've spoken about Munich at length. James has told us all about it, but let's ask Dan, how did you enjoy it? James was obviously in the press box. You were in the way end. No, I um, wasn't in the way end. Were you not? No, no. In the home I end? Was, uh, well, not even in the home end. I you mean, weren't winding down in way with the... Well, one of... One, no, <laughs> well, no, I wasn't winding down. Were you even but there? <laughs> in 35-odd years of watching football on Merseyside in Britain and in Europe, it was one of the best specs I've ever had at a match. And it was pure dumb luck, really. One of the, one of the lads I was travelling with, who both of us were out tickets, both of us missed out in the bun fight for the one-credit sales a couple of weeks ago. He works for a company that does a bit of work in Germany and asked on the off chance of Powell if he'd be able to get hold of a couple of tickets, and he did. Um, and they were basically row three, middle tier, bang on halfway. It was like sitting in a director's box. So for Phenomenal. anyone who missed out on tickets, it's Dan Kay's fault. You're, um, <laughs> you are corporate greed. Well, well, I don't think there, were, there, there was no there was no food or drink. <laughs> no, sadly not. But it was. I mean, obviously the match was fantastic. We'll get on to that. But you know, I, I tweeted about it at the time, and I feel that it really does bear repeating. You know, I've, I've watched a fair few games at home and abroad from you know outside of the UAM before, and you know, you've, I always like to think you know you can go and as long as you're respectful and, and sensible, you can support your team, and 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 but not always the case. We were sensible and respectful, but at the same time supported our team you know, throughout the game. And I have to say, the, the by, anyone who watched it on the telly probably came across that behind the goal, their ultras never stopped singing, never stopped waving their flags. Obviously, they had a couple of very well put banners as well, which people would have seen. Their, their support till the end of the game, even though it was clear that you know it was obviously turning into a very disappointing night for them, was fantastic. But the number of people, obviously, we the ground obviously emptied out, the home sections emptied out in the last 10, 15 minutes. And we sort of were always going to stay to the end and clap our team off. The number of people that came up to us both inside and outside the ground and said, well done, um, wish you all the best for the next round. What, I remember one, one guy even said, uh, I'm really pleased I've got an excuse to support Liverpool now. They were absolute class. And you know, to me, it was a, a perfect example of what European football and following your team abroad should be. It was, we, in actual fact, we had two terrible journeys there and back. But in the middle was one of the greatest days of my football support in life it really was fantastic and like I say not just because of what happened on the pitch it's really great to hear James you've had nothing but good things to say about it as well haven't you yeah yeah I'd be interested to know what Dan's thoughts were but certainly from being around the city on the day of the game I thought you've got to give the German authorities a lot of credit as well because you know yeah I mean, you must have been on a few that, you know, you've been to the likes of Spain and Italy where, you know, fans, you know, you're almost treated like animals, aren't you? Absolutely. And, and you know, we've seen acts of violence against fans for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And those, you know, those horrible European trips where you feel like the atmosphere is on an edge and it could just go off at any point and, you know, alcohol bans across the city and people, you know, things that shouldn't even be part of football it almost becomes the norm on trips mm. like that, doesn't it? But... 
to me, the thing that struck me, you're right, is just you know, both sets of fans just mingling normally. I mean, even that, did you, must, did you get the train to the stadium? Oh, the train so, to the stadium is, yeah. is a but journey you, that will live with But could you forever. imagine doing that journey from, because it's about a 15-minute walk from getting off the tube to the stadium. Yeah, quite a long way. And, you know, if, if that had been, you know, in Rome or Seville, mm. you're effectively sitting ducks, aren't you? Can you imagine the issues there would be, you know, compared to those grounds where you're almost having to be bussed in and out? Yeah. And... You know, but there was just there was no hint of, of issues whatsoever. All both sets of fans together, just the way it should be, wasn't it? And the thing that struck me was just the police and the stewards there seemed to treat fans with respect, and then not well, surprisingly, you get respect coming back the other way. That's the key word, isn't it? I mean, I, I what you said before about what what has happened in previous different countries in Europe, it becomes self perpetuating. If you treat people like animals. Then, then they may be more inclined to behave that way. If you treat people with respect, yeah. then it's going to come back to you. And I think it's, it's been well known for a long time. There is a, a, a proper football culture within Germany Definitely. and has been for decades. And I think, I also think the, you know, the, in the same way that a lot of us, as soon as the draw was made, licked our lips, this is exactly the kind of tie that we want. Genuine European pedigree. Mm. You kind of got the impression that Munich felt the same. I mean, it was well documented. They had, what, 350,000 applications uh, for tickets, more than they've had for you know games against Barcelona and Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. It, it was fantastic in the sense as well. It's a beautiful old city. Um, there was a bit... The, the main square seemed to be Marienplatz and the, an hour or so before we left for the stage and we were on one little corner of it and... Um, it was starting to get, you know, the songs were starting to kick in and people were starting to you know, stand on chairs and use some of the, the, these wonderful, huge beer steins for a little bit of percussion. That was the only point where the police felt they just needed to intervene and say, come on, don't, don't be banging the glasses. But the way they approached people, they didn't start charging in with yeah. batons and aggressive. They just said, come on, lads, just kind of keep it sensible. And, and it, it, that, to me, was one of the finest moments of the day. Particularly, we had, there was a version of the Bobby Firmino song that must have gone on for about 10 minutes. There's a few <laughs> videos of it around. It just seemed to build and build and build. And you could see people stopping and you know, just not just fans, Liverpool fans or Munich fans, but just the general people of Munich being caught up in the real festive atmosphere. And it was, it was you know, an absolute textbook, what a European away day, a European away trip should be like. And, and I hope that, you know, what, well, we'll move on to it, I'm sure. I hope Porto is the same for people who are going out there. And, you know, if, if we get any further, let's hope things continue on the same vein because there have been a couple of incidents, you know, matches in the last couple of seasons, severe, James mentioned, and where... It's almost like the you know the police and the authorities set the tone. They almost prejudge it. Yeah. And I, I hope that the authorities and people look at what happened in Munich this week and use that as a template going forward. Theo, you are still here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were in the office with us on on Wednesday night. Um, what was was it the statement performance that you hoped it would be? Yeah, I think it's one where the third goal makes it seem almost better than it was. But it was a really good performance. Um, I don't think Bayern threatened as much as we expected them to. And they didn't really know what they were supposed to do, whether they were just going to try and edge a goal. And as soon as Liverpool got the away goal, I think there was that feeling in the office, Liverpool, that should be yeah. job done now. Yeah. Um, it's probably what the Champions League run missed last year. Like, it was great getting to the final, but there was no um, national champions, was there, on the way um, from the major leagues. Um, Man City felt like it, but as you pointed out... They, they were like, were was it Chelsea at the time? Um, and this season, Liverpool have beaten Paris Saint-Germain, they've beaten Bayern Munich. You'd imagine if they're going to go all the way to the final, they're going to have to be Barca and they're probably going to have to face Juventus or Man City. So this is a real tough Champions League run there. But it shows where Liverpool are. They're back 
and it's great to see them in amongst all those names. And when you can go and play a team like Bayern Munich and win 3-1 in their backyard, it's a great statement to the rest of Europe. James, they are in amongst those names and they were drawn out the hat today against Porto in the quarterfinals. Obviously, you were there last year. Um, you were at Melwood during the draw. What was the feeling around Melwood? Um, pretty pleased? Yeah, I'm, well, I didn't I didn't hear any mad celebrations when the, when, no, the no. When, it was, when it came out. But um, yeah, I think... You know, it was interesting. I think Jurgen Klopp, when, it, when he, you know, he'd already done his media yeah. duties with the external press, but obviously did club media after the draw, and he said everything you'd expect him to say, wouldn't you? But privately, I'm sure his mood was very different because you know, you know, you, the usual caveats about there's no mugs in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, but you couldn't have handpicked a better draw than that. You know, there's a good no. reason why. Looking at the odds, and you know, Porto are the hundred to one outsiders mm. to win the competition. Um, I just think you know it, it's perfect because I think there were kind of three potential kind of challenges. One was an all Premier League clash, which I think yeah. Klopp and speaking to a few of the players after the game the other night in the mix zone, they didn't want that. I think they just I, I can't speak for everyone here, but I don't think anyone wanted a no. I agree. Although I did see an interview last night on LFC TV with Trent with Trent Alexander Arnold, who kind of seems to hint that he would actually quite like that because he was asked about it I was surprised he was opening his answer as well I think I know some people say well you'd take Tottenham over two legs or whatever but I just just also I just think that or even one of the Manchester clubs the intensity of those two games especially at a time when it's not like last season where Klopp is going to be able to prioritise one or the other Liverpool have got to go flat out on both fronts um, so I didn't think you wanted an all Premier League one I think in terms of difficulty you didn't want Juventus or Barcelona um, so then that left Porto and Ajax and certainly out the two, you know, in terms of, you know, from what I've seen, Ajax are the stronger of those they, two. They so, made a hell of a statement against yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so, a hell of a statement. Um, I just, you know, it's not far away. It's, you know, Liverpool have been there recently as well. They, you know, they've played in that stadium. They know what to expect. And psychologically, you know, that has got to be a massive boost. I know I fully expect Porto to put up a better fight than they did last year. But the fact... You know, you're playing against a team that you absolutely humiliated. What was it? Only 13 months ago, that that was the heaviest home defeat Porto have ever suffered in their history. And you know, even back then, they were undefeated all season domestically. Yeah. They were the the Portuguese leaders. I think this time around, they're level on points with with Benfica. Um, so yeah, t- to me, it just it ticks all the boxes. That one. They are. They are a different team, though, aren't they? To, to last year. Yeah, they're more experienced now. Um, in Ike Casillas, you've got one of the best keepers in Europe from the last 15 years. Um, they know how to play these European games and they've obviously already got a stage further than they did last year. Um, is it home leg first this time around? Yeah, yeah. Home, yeah. So it's going to be a completely different animal there. Like Porto, they're not going to come to Anfield and win 5-0, but there's that chance for them to um, show everyone what they're about because last year it was basically that one game, wasn't it? Yeah. As soon as you got five away goals, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so they can go to Anfield and see. But it's a chance for them to put it right, even if they're not going to progress. Um, they're not going to lose 5-0 in aggregate. Perhaps Liverpool were a little bit of a surprise package last year, Dan, but... I don't think, I'm not saying Porto would have taken them lightly, but I think last year when they came out in the last 16, Porto would have thought Liverpool, yeah, decent enough draw of the English clubs. They might have thought Liverpool one of the weaker ones. Um, they won't make that mistake this time around, will they? No, they won't. I mean, I think that 5-0 away win in the first leg, it was it was the last 16 tie, wasn't it? So it was, what, mid to late February yeah, when it happened. Yeah. I think even though we were having a good season, yeah. it was an, it was a bit of a kind of jaw-dropping yeah. wow moment for us, even as you know Liverpool supporters who've been scrutinising every kick of the ball all season um, 
I think Porto, like like Theo says, will be very much looking to put up a more respectable showing for themselves. But you know, it's hard not to feel that their shoulders must have slumped a little bit when when they yeah, heard the draw, about, particularly being away from home. I think the biggest danger that Liverpool will have, the only danger really for Liverpool is complacency. I think if they take the match as seriously as they should do, there's, I think few people will argue they've got super, you know the better side, superior squad, and obviously have got the, the experience of going all the way to the final. But it's the quarterfinals, and then this is why cup. This is why we all love cup football because upsets do happen. You know, and we've seen it in the last round with you know, Ajax, United going to Paris, two goals down. I read a piece, really good piece from Jonathan Liu in the Independent a couple of days ago, saying how the Champions League. Maybe a couple of years ago, you get a lot of the knockout ties, particularly that be kind of ground out, nil nils, nil nil ones. It has kind of opened up a little bit more, and teams do go for it a little bit. And Porto may well take a bit more of a devil may care approach. Wouldn't surprise me, particularly obviously with Liverpool missing Andy Robertson now, one of the, you know one of uh, the fullbacks for the first leg. They might think, well, let's just go and give it a crack in the first half, and, and maybe Liverpool won't be expecting that. But no, I, I, the, I think we all saw the reaction in the you know on cross social media everyone we've spoken to today um, you couldn't really have cherry picked a better draw for Liverpool because particularly with the uh, the dual um, targets that the, the, the Reds are chasing at the moment yeah bear in mind everything we've just spoken about James what was the away trip like to Portugal last year Wet, very <laughs> very wet, very wet. wet. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, mean didn't... the weather but <laughs> and more, and more than the, 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 the authorities that the fans, the stadium, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember there being any any issues or anything over there. I mean, it was the, the stadium is, is reasonably central. I think I remember walk, walking into the the city from mm. from where I was. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a, it was a cracking away away end that yeah. night. Was, it, was that where LA 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 started? Mm-hmm. Was that the first I time? I think it might well be. James, According yeah. to Paul Philbin, it, it started there. Yeah, he wrote a piece I think I'm sure it's the first time I remember hearing it. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, to be honest, it just did not stop raining from the second I was there to when I left. So it was, it wasn't. It wasn't one of those really memorable European aways in terms of the actual yeah. experience because most people it, crammed undercover, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just, it is a it is a beautiful city. And just hope um, for your sake, James, it doesn't rain then. For the I know. Well, messes a bit, bit later on in the season this time, <laughs> yeah. around, isn't it? Yeah. So good for you. Well, Theo, the semi-finals is one hell of a glamour tie. If, uh, if Liverpool can get there, Barcelona or, or Manchester United, uh, who would you prefer? <laughs> um, probably Manchester United. But really? Uh, really? Really? I think so. Um, just because the atmosphere there, um, it's going to... We, we've beaten them in Europe before. So with Barcelona, oh yeah, they're going to be um, competing on more than one front, aren't they? And there's always that threat of Luis Suarez or Coutinho coming back to haunt the former side. But famous Anfield European night against Manchester United I reckon you can get an extra 5-10% just from facing them so yeah let's see what happens um, second leg at Anfield for the semis well only if yeah if, if basically if the two Manchester teams and Liverpool get through it flips flipped, yeah. in the same way that United's quarter final is flipped so that's another reason to want Barcelona to win mm. okay yeah, so yeah Barcelona then <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so, I, I, I yeah. just think playing Barcelona in the semis would just be yeah. absolutely magnificent wouldn't it the thing is about European football I think that alright yeah it's a, difficult, teams, it? it's a difficult tie <laughs> but you, you need to play some difficult ties yeah. and you want to play the glamour mm. ones and if, if they beat <clears> Barcelona in the semi-finals then you, surely you can beat anyone that you, t- you face in the final yeah and then, you know, and then you've got the, the you know the, the Luis Suarez Philip yeah, Coutinho yeah. factors as well haven't you just oh, it would just be sensational yeah, going up against Messi so yeah I think 
you know, not that you need any extra motivation going into a Champions League quarterfinal, but with that waiting around the corner, it just it just whets your appetite, doesn't it, for these final two months? Do you know, I'd like to see this Liverpool team play this Barcelona team before Messi retires. Yeah. I know, I know well, he's played against them before, but he was very, very young, wasn't he? I, I said that the other day. The, the, the only time I've seen Messi live was yeah. the, the second leg Anfield yeah, in 2007. And even though he was maybe, what, 18, 19... There was still an, an electricity every time he picked up the yeah. ball. You could tell already this was a special, special player. But we're looking at what it's, it's twelve years later. So it'd be lovely to see him at the end of at the end of that at the end of his you know, towards the end of his career. Yeah. As for, for playing for playing nice, I mean, as, as Theo pointed out, we did play him in, in the the UEFA Cup Europa League a couple of years ago and knocked them out. Liverpool, there was a spell. Well, I think what three times in the last seventeen years or so, Liverpool have nearly played United in the European Cup, and. I just I, at any point uh, the intensity of a match. You know, any Liverpool United game is intense. In Europe, it would be even more so. But I think, particularly at a time obviously when Liverpool are, are pushing to win the league championship, of course, it's, that doesn't mean to say that a two-legged semi against Barcelona won't be intense. But obviously, Liverpool and Manchester United speaks for itself. Yeah, and I, I think in an ideal world we would do without it. But if United do not, but do not Barcelona, right? And and I, I really don't think you can discount it after what they've you know, they've won at Juventus, they've won at Paris this year. Um, I'd still fancy us to take them on, but I could just do without the stress, frankly. <laughs> uh, do, you know, do you know what? I hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Uh, I, I just they're the, they're the sort of ties that the best thing ever if you win, but. I don't like defeat. Would be yeah. excruciating. <laughs> exactly. so, would you rather lose from in a semi-final or a final? Uh, it's like asking to be shot up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's then, a great answer. Dan. It's also yeah, what it means for the title race because the first leg would be a week after City play United, so mm-hmm. that's the game in hand. So then it's just the games coming thick and fast for all the teams. I mean, I'm glad if we are if we are stuck with an all in the English time. Glad it's United rather than City. I think. I suppose that's <laughs> what you've just said there, Theo. So that the first leg is the the week after United yeah. play City. So it's another reason to want United to go out because if they if they go through, then they, they might even rest people for yeah. that City game, mightn't they? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing with the draw that struck me is obviously, I know Klopp had said he didn't fancy an all-Premier League what game because yeah. of the, the intensity of those matches. Well, that is exactly what obviously City have got yeah. with Tottenham. And it you know, now means they play Tottenham. I think it's three times in like yeah. the space of 10 or 11 days, isn't it? And you think... I know Tottenham can be, you know, they, we kind of take the mickey out of them at times. They're no mugs. But they are no mugs. Yeah. And the, the, the chances of City beating Tottenham three times in that, in that kind of, I, I think that's pretty remote. And mm. also just having three, three games against them at that point, you know, that, that is, that is going to be a really, really tough run for Man City. And I know, we, I know they've got a stronger squad than Liverpool, but... Might just get United in the FA Cup semis. Exactly, yeah. You know, and that, that is going to, Without a shadow of a doubt, that's going to take more out of them than the, than the run that Liverpool have got over the same period. Absolutely. Will it be at the new stadium as well for Tottenham? Pass, I'm not sure. It's it possibly. Possibly. I think yeah, they're trying to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. what they were talking about. So that could be massive as well. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, we'll talk about... There was a press conference today. James, you were there. What did Jürgen Klopp have to say? It was kind of overshadowed, I suppose, afterwards by the draw. But, yeah. yeah. Um, well, injuries-wise, no great surprises. He confirmed that there'd be no Jordan Henderson at Fulham mm-hmm. on Sunday. It's not a serious one, though, No, is it? no. It's, he, said, he said the scan was the... He described it as the best possible news we could yeah. have got. 
um, minor. Um, but he said, you know, he'd be fine for after the international break. It didn't didn't say actually whether he'll still go away with England. I think that must be in in a pretty serious doubt um, because he said, you know, he'd have treatment over the international break. I think I saw something that said he'd been withdrawn. Yeah, I mean that would that would make sense. Um, so no Henderson this weekend. But he said Cater was a possibility. Of course, Cater didn't travel to Munich. Uh, minor muscle problem, but he said he said the signs were pretty positive that he would be back in contention. Um, who does that? Oh, no, Oxley Chamberlain. He, he said that obviously Oxley Chamberlain had a minor hamstring issue on the back of his comeback against Derby mm. for the 23s last week. Um, Klopp saying that you know he's made decent progress and he, he described him as being a hundred percent ready for after the international break. So it'd be interesting to see whether he does shake things up a little bit for for Sunday because it's. You know, he was he was kind of it was in, you know, again he kind of talked about the significance of beating Bayern and described it as the most mature European performance he felt of his of his entire time at Liverpool, but then was keen to ensure that it didn't it didn't just become a kind of glorifying that night and ignoring mm-hmm. the fact that there's a really really important game coming up at Craven Cottage on on Sunday afternoon and uh, did his usual thing of you know talking up an opponent and talking about how dangerous they are. Um, but, you know, if it's one of those games where if Liverpool's attitude is right, you know, they'll they'll be too strong for them. It is one. It's easy to overlook teams, isn't it? When you, when you come off the back of such a big game against Bayern, you go into Fulham and, and almost people are talking about Liverpool going back top of the league. But in terms of the way Fulham are set up, they've conceded 68 goals this year, which is as many as Liverpool have scored in the league. So they are it's one of them that James is right if, if Liverpool are on it they should win comfortably shouldn't they? Um, they should do but I think Fulham are a slightly different animal now with Scott Parker in charge I'm not saying they're going to put up a massive fight but you almost don't know what to expect from them suppose, yeah. and they're, they're resigned now they're going to go down to the championship you'd imagine so it's a case of them rebuilding confidence for the rest of the season so they can go again next year um, they played Chelsea was it a couple of weeks ago and they put in a decent fight in that game they're unlucky two to lose 2-1 was it? yeah I think yeah, it was 2-1 yeah. so it's not going to be a case of Liverpool go there and steamroll over them but Liverpool should have enough um, even if you uh, say that Klopp's going to rotate players um, you'd imagine Lallana could come back in and we saw what he did last week um, we say it every week but surely this is a chance for Shakiri. Mm. but then on the other side of it Salah if he's not going away with Egypt you want him to get this goal before he yeah, goes away for the international break yeah. and you can't really drop Mane the current form he's in so Liverpool should definitely have enough you going on Sunday, Dan? I will be there. Confidence. Always enjoy to Craven Cottage. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the, the, the danger is just make sure it's not a case of after the Lord Mayor's show. You know, the um, Fulham have obviously had a very, very difficult season, and you know, the, <laughs> fantastic, the, the wonderful distraction though this week has been. There's no getting away from it. I, you know, I, I can't speak with any degree of certainty overall, but my perception is the majority of Liverpool fans are desperate for us to win this league, and on. Sunday we're in a position to go back top of it and and put pressure on Man City. So I think that was that is what Klopp will be drilling into the players. Well done, but it's gone. Forget about it. The the, the course of final is not for a few weeks now. The way the fixtures have panned out, as as we all know, with City's FA Cup commitments, Liverpool can really ratchet up the pressure on them by by right, playing two games more by taking a five point lead. And obviously fundamental to that is going to Craven Cottage on Sunday and getting a result. I, I do take Theo's point that sometimes 
when a team is almost resigned to going down, they can always play with a certain bit of freedom yeah. that, that the pressure's offered. I remember years and years ago, the United's final year of their 25 year, 26 year drought before they won their league. And they basically blew the league the season before when Leeds won it, the final season of the old first division. And in that final set of games, or final couple of weeks, they were beaten by all, by a West Ham side that had already been relegated. Remember, memorably, Alex Ferguson describing the Hammers as putting in an, an obscene effort that day. So, you know, Liverpool have to be on their guard. You know, don't get cocky, don't get complacent. Every game is different. But if we start well, score, get a, get, our, get on top of them early, then it, you know, it should be a comfortable victory. But there's no guarantees. There are some familiar faces in the Fulham lineup. We'll start with one name that I think I'm, I'm right in saying he was a target for Liverpool, wasn't he? Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he, a couple of years ago when they were championship. Um, he's, he's hasn't had the greatest season, I think it's fair to say, in the Premier League, but he's back in their team now that Scott Park has taken over. Do you think he's someone that we'll see Liverpool link with again? He's still very young and a year year left on his contract. Yeah, and, and I think... You'd imagine, especially with them going going down, that you know the the, the price and his contract situation would would make him an attractive proposition again. Because I think, especially you go back kind of maybe a year, and I think he would have been one of those players you'd have very much put in a bracket. You definitely have him, but you'd end up paying such a ridiculous yeah. premium because he's English and um, and because of his age that it probably wouldn't have been wouldn't have made financial sense. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it'd be, because it is interesting that what, what he does do this summer in terms of, you know, Moreno's going to go when his contract mm-hmm. runs out. Um, you know, Robertson is so good. But, and then, you know, to do you, d- does he trust someone like Adam Lewis, a young academy player that they've got big hopes for to, to come in and almost you know, take that role of Robertson's deputy. But then, I don't know, I think, I think the level that Liverpool are operating at now, I still think you probably need someone else in there as well and yeah I, I really really like Sessegnon I know I haven't seen a huge amount of Fulham this season but you know, it can't be easy for him a young lad still trying to trying to shine in a team that's struggled as much as they have Hasn't he played quite a bit in midfield as well Sessegnon? Yeah left was the same last season as well Yeah, yeah well I was going to ask you Theo because a lot of our listeners might not know and I'm sure you guys don't know but Theo used to work with Bolton Did he? And, uh, <laughs> yeah he doesn't, doesn't often mention it but Theo you would have seen him a little bit more than us having worked in the championship with Bolton Um he has played a lot in midfield, so he would be an option for Liverpool in both positions, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think um, last season Fulham was pretty much a four-three-three, and he was actually left wing. Yeah, um, I remember when he came to Bolton, um, he's <coughs> playing pretty centrally as well. Yeah, um, they were probably the best side I saw last season in the Championship. Yeah. Um, so he's a very attacking footballer. Um, I'd probably compare it to Gareth Bale when he was coming through early on. You know, you think no of pressure him, then though. Not like <laughs> saying he's going to go to that same heights, but you know, early on we think, oh, he's a left back. He's not. But he doesn't play left back. He could yeah. potentially give an um, option there and he would be a good player for Jürgen Klopp to sign because we all know how much he likes his versatile players. So say going into this quarterfinal first leg, Robertson suspended. Oh, I've got a left midfielder who can play there. Um, but he's definitely a lot more attacking than just a left back. Okay, there are more familiar faces. Theo, we'll stay with you because you mentioned them before. For the next three minutes, I want you to just talk about Markovic's Fulham career. <laughs> wow. Well, um, that's probably as many touches as he had, isn't it? Three. He's uh, played one half against West Ham United. He came on as a second half substitute in a game they'd already lost when another former Red had already scored for them. That's probably as much as I can say. Fair play to you. It's not like Lazar, is it, James, to, to move to a club and not really do anything? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit of a bizarre signing that they, <laughs> when you think that most most clubs in most leagues around Europe wouldn't wouldn't have wouldn't touch him with a barge pole in the previous windows when Liverpool have been trying to trying to offload him. Um 
So yeah, I know. I think they only gave him a really short contract, didn't they? Was it just to the end of the season? Of the season. Deal, yeah. So very, like said, not, deal. Deal. I'm not sure he's done much at the moment. See if you like them, and when players coming out of contract, I remember uh, David and Gog when he went to Swansea. That was one was just getting off the payroll. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's, I don't. It's very I don't think he'll be one to worry about on on Sunday afternoon. He didn't even get in there on their bench last week, so I don't know whether mm. with, with his with his fitness record, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he's, whether he's got a knock or whatever, or whether he's just I, knowing what Scott Parker was like as a player. I'd, I'd be surprised if Lazar Markovic was was his type. Player of the year 2010, wasn't he? Was it 2010? Scott Parker, Parker won the... Famously play, picked as yeah, England, England, England captain ahead England of Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, yeah. the Rice's one, wasn't it? Yeah, Got himself a move to Chelsea, banging goals in left-hand yeah. centre for Charlton for a while. Then he was, he was flavour of the month for a while. The other Fulham player I'm keen to talk about, Dan, is probably one of my, from a personal standpoint, frustrating players in Liverpool history. I, I, I couldn't stand hearing that Ryan Babble should, should be given a, a place in Liverpool's team every week. And then he just go out there and do nothing every week so what What are your memories of Ryan Babble Ryan Babs well I remember when we <laughs> did signed did you call him, him Ryan Babs yeah <laughs> is that what you called him okay I think it was a bit of a kind of half semi nickname for him um, he had his moments um, not enough of them but it, it was for, yeah, we, we, it was that batch that came in 2007 wasn't he with yeah. Torres and Benny Yoon and you know it, it start, you know, I think we got to almost Christmas undefeated that year finished third got to the Champions League semis I think and he yeah you know, we had winning goal against Man United I remember uh, I think the start of the following season um, yeah, did, yeah. Uh, no you're right he was uh, Babel uh, in many ways symbolises a lot of the kind of wasted opportunities and, and missed chances that Liverpool have, uh, that Liverpool have had in this kind of long period without league title players that have come in flattered to deceive made us dream and then let us down that's <laughs> <laughs> just a man who's been hurt many times <laughs> and yet like a come fool I still coming back for more um, a, a, a prime ex- one example to me showed everything he could do the, the 4-0 win against, against Real Madrid that brilliant Gerrard side foot half while yeah, he just after half time cross. and Babel I mean I, 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 I might upset you here Joe I'll tell you what else I'll compare him to Emil don't Lesky. you dare don't, don't say his name he had it all don't he had say, it get all out, get out the room leave <laughs> you're never coming back on this podcast <laughs> legged it down the wing beautiful crop beautiful ball in with his weaker left foot and there was just that frustration that why can't you do it a bit more often now all what I will say with it about him yeah we, we when did he leave Liverpool 2010 and yeah, arguably the final thing he 20, did in 2011 20, yeah. well, it was, wasn't it just after that the, you're not googling his Forrest career right? just in case I ask yeah. you a question <laughs> <laughs> It was just after the cup tie when Kenny came back and there was, remember, Howard Webb sent Gerrard off and didn't he kind of put a bit of a snarky tweet out and get yeah, called yeah, over yeah, the course yeah. by the FA and a few people said, best thing he's done in a red shirt, that. And to be honest, I kind of never really expected to hear much from him again, but in the last couple of years, he's been playing for the Dutch national team. And in fact, there is a piece, I think Theo knows a bit more about it than I do, where he's been saying today that he knows what Virgil van Dijk's weakness is and he plans <laughs> to exploit it. So I can't wait to chess. see that. <laughs> <laughs> James, what, what is the name of his first rap album? Uh, I couldn't tell you that. I, I, I thought you were on Wikipedia. I What's his middle that, name? You know, he was, when he joined for Ajax, he was the third most expensive Liverpool signing ever. Yeah, I think. Did you know that? Like 22 million. And who was he unveiled but... alongside? Yossi. Yossi Benny. Yeah. Yossi Benny. Yeah. Yossi Benny. You've read was... the same page as I have. My friend's <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was infuriating when he, when he was at Liverpool. He was uh, capable of of doing some amazing things and... Was it was it Arsenal in the Champions League when he, oh, he, yeah, he well, came that off the run just after yeah. yeah. your equaliser we yeah. were out and was he bulldozed his way in? Yeah. I always remember the Derby goal where he just put two defenders on the backsides. He said, yeah, Oh, we've got that, a player here. That, that, was that his debut? Or it might be very early in that yeah. season. That might yeah. be his first goal. Early, I remember it? Benitez saying 
that he was just absolutely infuriating as a player to work with. Yeah. Because I don't know whether he, it was because maybe, I don't know whether he was the brightest as a younger player or whatever, but because he was still relatively young, wasn't he? Yeah. he was 20, I don't know, 19. He was, but I think he struggled to take on board orders in terms of what was asked of him. And, and because, you know, he was so gifted and so quick, wasn't he? That you know, I remember Benitez saying he tried to boil it down into like absolute basics of, he said, he would basically say to him, pace, space, pace, space, just go into the space. Yet he had this habit of just always coming back inside and running into trouble. And I th- yeah, I, th- I think I think Benitez reached the point where it was just like, you know, this exactly. is like banging a head yeah. against a, a brick wall. There was always a clamour to get him in the team. And I, look, I, I'm going to get pelters for this, but I don't mean this in terms of he could turn out a lot better than Babel, and I'm sure he will. But he kind of reminds me of Naby Keita in the sense that he hasn't done anything to deserve to be in the team yet. Every week, they all we hear fans say he's got to be in the team, and it was the same with Babel all those years ago. Yeah, Might it's be just fair. It's um, I think when Cater joined Liverpool, it was a YouTube player sort of compilation, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. You saw those clips of him in the Bundesliga running forwards. You're saying that all these people on Twitter didn't watch every <laughs> Leipzig game last year. I don't think they did, no. No, no, it's a shame. Like, oh. I'm sure if they did, they also watched all of Barbell's early moments at Ajax yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm sure they did as well. <laughs> like we were saying, all these um, moments like the cross against Real Madrid, the run against Arsenal, it's very YouTube compilation sort of mm. thing anyway, They were isn't moments, it? weren't they? Yeah. That's what they were. Moments rather than games, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. But um, touching on what James has just said there, I think reading this interview, I've just had a, a glance at it, there was also a spell in it where he's talking about his uh, relationship with Rafa and one of the things he's complaining about is Rafa treating um, throw-ins as corners. So... <laughs> saying oh you're not supposed to worry about throwings or whatever that's obviously Barbell's viewpoint and they're, they're far too important <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there because like, you know we all know what Rafa was like with sort yeah, of yeah. chess wasn't it yeah, Every yeah. Yeah. so yeah I think that says it all doesn't it Barbell just wants to head down run forwards and see what he can do and more often than not he run into trouble he must have reinvented himself to a certain degree to have kind mm. of, you know, had a bit of a kind of Indian summer towards the end. Yeah. He's had like a nomad's career though, hasn't he? He wandered off to like the Middle East, didn't he, for a little bit and then... He went, went to Deportivo for six months. Did and then his return. Yeah. He did well in La Liga for six months and that got him his move to Turkey and he's been tearing up in Turkey and then they just gave up on him yeah. and that's how come he's ended up at Fulham. Played for Al... Alain? Is yeah, that in the yeah. Middle East? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went off to the Middle East for a bit and he almost like, at like the age of 27 or 8 seemed to do you know sort of wind down his career like it and was then, over and yeah then. And, then, and then he's back so anyway now we're done slagging off Ryan Babel let's finish <laughs> off by picking our Liverpool team um, defence I'd throw Degsy Lover in him would you get? Would you yeah, give yeah. Matip a rest? I, I like I like Matip. Or I, I are think you scared I, of the weakness that Babel knows? I just, I just, I just, think, he, I just think he needs some football. You know, God forbid Van Dijk yeah. or Matip gets yeah. injured. Yeah. Mean, obviously, we hope Gomez is going to be fit soon. But I am a Lovren fan. Uh, I would. Yeah, I, I think Matip deserves credit and respect for how he stepped in the last couple of months. And he, as a, you know, as is often the case with him, I thought he looked quite nervy in the early stages on Wednesday, but he grew into the game, and I thought he had a pretty good second half. But he's had a lot of football lately, and I just think, obviously, without, and without taking Fulham for granted, um, probably not the worst game to, to throw someone like Lovren in when he's, he's barely kicked a ball in 2019. So Lovren for Matip, anyone else dispute that? Would, no, would... I think that's spot on. Yeah, Theo? Yeah, um, yeah, I'd also put Moreno in. Would you? <laughs> so that, Steady. I suppose, but I think there's going to be good reasoning well, behind this. Um, well, international break coming up, Andy Robertson's going to go and play some football for Scotland. Uh, Moreno hasn't played in however long he's not going to play and he's got to have, have some football in his legs going into this Champions League quarter final is he going to play there no, though he's, he's not going to play Milner he's going to play Milner isn't he you can't trust Moreno I, I think 
I will agree with Theo. Should if Klopp is thinking about playing Moreno, I think he should try and get him yeah. a game before before that. And yeah. and in that case, yeah, I, w- I would play him. If he's not, then no, you don't need to. But yeah, so back four. We'll we'll say Robertson for now. Theo, no, we'll say <laughs> Robertson. In, if if Klopp isn't thinking of playing Moreno in midfield, Adam Lallana come back, James. Yeah, I think you'd have to. I think you've got to, you've got to because sh- I think although Liverpool ended up winning that game comfortably in the end. I, th- I still think mentally and physically that's a grueling few days. Yeah. Um, and Lalana was so good against Brooke, Superb. But yeah. Yes, and, I, and I just think also, I know Klopp has picked a kind of a more defensive looking midfield on their travels, especially in, in recent months. But I just think against a team like Fulham, who are that vulnerable with their defensive mm-hmm. record, I think you could have Lalana as one of the three in midfield. So, yeah, I think I'd go Lalana. I'd, I'd play Cater if. If he's if he's obviously 100 percent fit instead of, um, do you know I'd probably rest Wijnaldum. I thought Wijnaldum looked absolutely yeah. on his knees late on the other night, um, and then, you know, I think so. Yeah, but for me it would be Fabino Cater with Lalana ahead of them. Very attacking. Theo, do you agree or just? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, I'd probably like to have Wijnaldum in a, these away games, but I agree with James. He's looked very tired in recent weeks. Um, he needs a rest and those are probably the only other options left yeah. unless you want to be really bold and have Shakiri and Alana in a midfield three and I don't think that's really a wise decision Thank okay. you. Yeah I would I wouldn't I'd, you know a big Ginny Van Alden fan but he, he has looked a bit laggy um, in the last couple of weeks like, as James pointed out the, you know, the, the last couple of league away games have been a bit more of a conservative midfield but it's obviously been testing fixtures against our biggest rivals haven't Manchester United Um Fabino, I think you know. I think I imagine a lot of people were shocked and when, yeah. when he was left out the other night. And I th- you could argue if if Henderson was fit, if Henderson and Milner were fit, then maybe you'd give him a rest. But um, obviously Henderson's out of the equation. Um, so yeah, that's yeah Milner. I, to us, I'd be I'd be fifty fifty between. I, I actually think. Playing Cater and Lalana might be a little. Am I rambling on? What's the kick? How many midfielders am I picking? Just pick three midfielders. Cater, Fabino, and Lalana. You're okay. happy now. So the exact same as, yeah. as Theo and James. Could have just said that. Okay. <laughs> front, front three. Sorry. Front three. Are we just saying same the old? Billy Little. Same old. No, no one would fancy I'd just Fabino. And put Shakirian or. or um, I'd put Regan in probably. Okay. No, but, but why? Yeah, pull them away. Let's uh, take it for granted a little bit. <laughs> no, um, Bobby's looked a bit tired in recent games as well. I think he's going to have quite a trip. You'd imagine with Brazil in the international break, um, makes sense to save his legs. I suppose Roberto, Roberto, Roberto does look tired. Um, but <laughs> stickler yeah. for that, you aren't you? No, silly nickname. Anyway. Um, Let's finish off. But did you agree with that? Did you just want the normal front three, Dan? I'm scared to ask you. You might. Well, yes, normal front three. Okay, right. Let's finish off with a prediction then. James, we'll start with you. Four-one. Uh, Four-one. It's not like you, James, to follow most to Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, of course. Three-one. Uh, Three-one. Five-nil. <laughs> okay. Well, you, sorry, I, did you not just say they conceded 68 goals this season? Yeah, they have. I think they're going to make them work for it. I think it'd be 2 1. Is that from uh, Ryan Barber not one, picking yeah. up his marker at corners? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, it might be. Right. Thanks for listening. Liverpool are going to absolutely batter Fulham into oblivion on Sunday, and we'll be back on Monday to talk about it. See you then. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.